great uh, interview. And you're tuned in to KPFA in Berkeley, KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1, KFC up in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. It's 3 p.m. Stay tuned now for Cover to Cover with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up. In darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows out of sight. Ah, yes, this is Jennifer. Stone with Stone's Throw, and today is the 3rd of May, and I'm not going to talk about money, this is, uh, uh, oh, this is marathon, folks, we need your money, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to talk about pacifism, but first of all, I'll just tell you what I'm going to do is, I'm going to wait till the show's about, got about uh, ten minutes to go, and then my friend Veronica Faisant is going to come in here, and she's going to help me do the hard sell. I am the world's lousiest uh, saleswoman, but she will help me, and I will beg and cry and pull my hair out and uh, persuade you that we need to do the right thing because, let's see, I'm looking at my engineer there. He has a lean and hungry look. We have to feed these folks. We have to do the right thing. Money, money, money. But first of all, I I need to talk about pacifism, which is the reason why KPFA exists. And if you want to call while I'm yakking, you can go right ahead and do that. You can subscribe to KPFA. You know the phone numbers. Uh, We've been repeating them all day uh, ever since Monday. Oh, last night I was exhausted and I sat up and I tried to write something profound and serious about the uh, little assassination trip. Um, and I despaired. I despaired. You don't need to hear any more of that. I, I just, I turned on the TV twice and all I heard was a bunch of old pundits saying, we got even, justice is done, we got even. Remember those uh, level playing fields, my God. Oh, all I could really get my mind around was the fact, I heard this fact on the news, uh, the fact that there were apparently, they they said, two dozen, that's 24, two dozen kids, children, young people, youth, in that compound when those Navy SEALs hit the, uh, (laughs) hit the roof and went down to do their thing. Kept staring at them. My kid brother was a Navy SEAL, but that's another story. It's all too hideous. And... Of course, we don't know what we don't know, and there may be more to this story, but I doubt it. I think maybe 
what we see is uh, maybe what we got this time. Don't know. I just assume that uh, the president called up uh, George W. W. And I said, ha, ha, ha. Let's face it. President really came off looking good this time, but that's just one way of looking at things. I'm not sure anymore what I think when I was a young, young person, when I was doing the, what is it, the the internal battle between realism and idealism, you know, I uh, I didn't come up with very many answers. I remember my uh, verbal tick, my mantra was, uh, you know, you know, you know, you know, I'd just clutch people and say, don't you know, you know, wanting everybody to understand, you know. Now that I am very, very old, my mantra is, I don't know, I don't know, what do you know, I don't know, whatever. Um, what is that? The older we grow, the more we know we do not know. Anyway, I've only got a few minutes, and I've already wasted five, so I want to refer you to the best article I've read in some time, some years, on pacifism. It's called Why I'm a Pacifist, and it's the essay by Nicholson Baker in the May 2011 issue of Harper's Magazine. God bless Harper's. Okay, a lot of peace posters here. Terrific peace posters. Uh, And the subtitle here is The Dangerous Myth of the Good War. Now, I was raised in the 40s. My father fought the good war. He was a doctor on a Navy uh, hospital ship out there in the Pacific. And from what he told me, there was nothing good about that war. Anyway, you call it. Uh, What he described was a lot of friendly fire, a lot of, what do you call that, chaos, accidents, god-awful stuff. Anyway, Nicholson Baker tries to make out a case for, what is it, ways in which we might have been able to avoid World War II. (laughs) They told us that that was impossible. Uh, I was reading another article last night about Gandhi, and they said that uh, that's where Gandhi hit the wall. They said, well, what would Gandhi have done about Hitler, etc., etc., you know. This is old, old news. Back in the 1940s, there were a group of people who started this radio station, KPFA Pacifica Network, and they did it because they had been pacifists during World War II. Some of them had gone to jail, and they had all tried to make the world see uh, sense. But, of course, (laughs) that was about the most unpopular time to be a pacifist. Uh, Let me read to you a few little notes here. Uh, Anyway, you know, World War II, the New York Times said that World War II was so disastrous as to make the 1917 adventure seem quite mild. Anyway... Uh, okay, um, one of the surprisingly vocal group of World War II pacifists, uh, this guy by the name of Kaufman, yes, Hitler, Abraham Kaufman, the executive secretary of the War Resisters League, 
Now, this is a guy, uh, right, put himself through City College, working at night, sold magazines and candy in a subway station. He's the guy who insisted that uh, this tremendous war can be ended by just one small spark of truth and sanity. <laughs> yeah, you bet your bottom. Anyway, these guys were absolute pacifists, you know, uh, like Virginia Woolf. She was an absolute pacifist. Her husband said no, he was a Jew, and he said we had to uh, fight Hitler, etc. That was Leonard Woolf. Anyway. He was opposed to any or all war service. Now, of course, most of those guys, the pacifists, were not against personal or familial self-defense. They certainly weren't against law enforcement. But they held that war was, in the words of a British pacifist and parliamentarian, Arthur Pon Sonby. What a name. Quote, this is what he said. said that uh, the war, any war was, quote, a monster born of hypocrisy, fed on falsehood, fattened on humbug, kept alive by superstition, directed to the death and torture of millions, succeeding in no high purpose, degrading to humanity, endangering civilization, and bringing forth in its travail a hideous brood of strife, Conflict and war, more war. And the article goes on to list uh, the thousands of conscientious objectors who actually spent time in jail and in rural work camps and hospitals or in controlled starvation studies. How about that? Uh, there's a long list of them. You know, most people today don't remember their names. I remember Dorothy Day. Uh, Rabbi Abraham Kronbach, I remember reading a little bit of his work. Uh, these are the people who understood that civilization is not a frill. You know, you have to start working on it. Um, you know, if Timothy McVeigh had been uh, raised in a, anything but a gun culture, somebody taken him to a modern dance class, right? He might not have blown up that federal building anyway. The article, uh, Why I Am a Pacifist, goes on to say, I admired these people, that is, the World War II pacifists. They believed in acts of mercy rather than in fist-shaking vows of retribution. What they did, they kept their minds on who was actually in trouble. There you go, folks. My footnote here is from George Santayana, the philosopher. And morality is the desire to lessen suffering on earth, you know. That is the greatest good for the greatest number. You remember that cute phrase. Uh, anyway, the article goes on to talk about the sufferings of these pacifists. Uh, the author says they, are, they were beautiful examples of what it means to be human. He says, I don't expect you, the reader, to agree necessarily that they were right in their principled opposition to that enormous war, the war that Hitler began. But I do think you might want to take their position seriously. See for yourself whether there was some wisdom in it. Okay, he says, praising pacifists. Uh, using the P word in any positive way, but especially in connection with the Second World War, 
embarrasses some people. It makes some people angry. He says, I found this out in 2008 when I published a book about the beginnings of that war. My book, Human Smoke, that's the title. Human Smoke was a mosaic of contradictory fragments and moments in time composed largely of quotations. It made no direct arguments on behalf of any single interpretation of World War II. But in an afterward, I dedicated the book to the memory of Clarence Pickett, a Quaker relief worker, and some other British and American pacifists, because I was moved by what they tried to do. I wrote, quote, they tried to save Jewish refugees. They tried to feed Europe. They tried to reconcile the United States and Japan and stop the war from happening. Of course, they failed, but they were right. They were what? This is a response uh, in the nation from Katha Pollitt. She says they were what? <laughs> she said she poured over this guy's book, the guy who wrote this article, poured over the book obsessively for hours at a time, and she hated it. Katha Pollitt wrote, by the time I finished, I felt something I had never felt before, and that was fury at pacifists. Oh, no, that's Katha Pollitt, the famous feminist writer who still writes in The Nation. Katha Pollitt's displeasure hurt me, as negative reviews from thoughtful readers generally do. But I still think the pacifists of World War II were right. In fact, the more I learn about the war, the more I understand that the pacifists were the only ones during a time of catastrophic violence who repeatedly put forward proposals that had any chance of saving a threatened people. They weren't naive. They weren't unrealistic. They were psychologically acute realists. And now he goes on for a couple of pages to talk about the trouble in Europe and, of course, the situation, uh, <laughs> and the trouble that Jews were in. Hitler, of course, was using them as kind of hostages there. Uh, Hitler, of course, said they must be wiped out. He said that in the 1920s. He said it in the 30s. He said so throughout the war when they were, in fact, being wiped out. Uh, he said it in his bunker in 1945 with a cyanide pill and a pistol in front of him, his hands shaking from Parkinson's. Hitler closed his last will and testament with a final paranoid expostulation condemning, quote, the universal poisoner of all people's international jury. Okay, throughout Hitler's tenure then, the question for the rest of the world was how to respond to a man who was a violent, B, highly irrational, C, vehemently racist, D, professedly suicidal, and E, in charge of an expanding empire. One possibility was to build weapons, raise armies, make demands, threaten sanctions, embargoes, and other punishments. Well, if Hitler failed to comply, we could say, this has gone too far and declare war. Now, pacifists thought this was precisely the wrong response. The government took the one course 
which I foresaw at the time would strengthen Hitler. They declared war on Germany. That's what they did. Okay. Here is the novelist Vera Britton. She published bi-weekly a pamphlet called Letter to Peace Lovers. She published this in London. She writes, Nazism thrives, as we see repeatedly, on every policy which provokes resistance, such as bombing, blockade, and threats of retribution. Right. She wrote a masterful polemic in 1942 titled Humiliation with Honor. I love it. Yes. Now, the Jews needed immigrants, needed immigration visas. Uh, of course, uh, they didn't need flying fortresses. And I was looking here to see the numbers. Uh, I found it fascinating that one of the excuses that we used was that uh, we didn't have we didn't have the transport, the transportation to bring the Jews here to America. Let me see. What was the numbers on that? It was about... The numbers was about how we got the... Uh, how we got the people off Dunkirk. And I'm looking here in this article to find the numbers because it was the most fascinating thing. Uh, I think... Well, it was just a contrast, contrast and compare. Uh, yes, they said not enough shipping and transport, but the British evacuated, here it is, nearly 340,000 men from those beaches on Dunkirk. Yes, they did that in nine days. I'm going to repeat that, right? They got 340,000 human beings off the beaches of Dunkirk, Dunkirk in nine days. And these are the people who said that they couldn't possibly evacuate the Jews from Europe. Anyway, uh, he goes on to talk about the number of new planes in the American Air Force. Uh, let's see. Uh, the gist of the center of this article is about, believe it or not, Winston Churchill's favorite line, he used to say, it's better to talk, you know. He would say, better jaw, 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 than wah, wah, wah. On the other hand, that's the man who said, unconditional surrender, you know, he wanted to plow them under, salt the earth. And of course, that's what kept the war going for years and years and years. Um, Yes, I'm trying to see here what I should tell you before Veronica and I start giving it the uh, giving it the hard sell. Uh, what this article is all about is the ways in which we save lives now. We do the right thing now. We do the next best right thing. <laughs> As Ashley Judd is always saying, you know, we accept support from anybody, from pro-fascists, from anyone, from the devil himself in order to bring war to an end. Of course, now, you know how that is. We don't go with that anymore. No, we're not going not gonna to negotiate with those, uh, those terrorists. You know how that is. Uh, not going to mess with the Taliban. Uh, I think that Richard Holbrook was right. We should have, well, he's gone now. His heart broke. He died. And uh, 
Hillary Clinton tried to help him, but, you know, he was the one who told President Obama that we should hang in there and deal with the Taliban. But I'm I'm going off my subject here. Uh, I just read with some, some chagrin all the people who, <laughs> yes, rose to their feet and stood in silent homage to those who were about to die in World War II, you know. When war was declared, they said, well, it may cost the lives of every Jew in Europe, you know, but those folks will not escape retribution. Okay, folks, yes, the War Resisters League. Um, hmm, the only way to save thousands and perhaps millions of European Jews would be to broadcast a promise of speedy and favorable armistice on the condition that the European minorities are not molested any further. I know how improbable it is that our U.S. government would accept this. But if it is the only possibility, ought not our pacifist groups to take some action? Anyway, I'm going to have to leave out all the hilarious bits about the efforts of the Third Reich to <laughs> give give uh, Hitler a Jew-free birthday party uh, in April of 19... Well, never mind... Uh, it's all too hideous. I remember some of the grotesque, um, what do you call that, uh, war propaganda that I saw as a child. You know, uh, the parades, Mayor Fiorello LaGuardia. Uh, oh, it was hideous. Um, Tojo. Tojo was my favorite. <laughs> yes. Veronica, you're not old enough to remember all that stuff. When you were a kid, did you remember anything about the World War II propaganda stuff? No, absolutely not, Jennifer. But I know, um, just from what I know historically, that there were a lot of people who didn't speak up, which reminds me of why I'm here right now. As a matter of fact, go. what we're going to do is we're going to catalyze the latent contributors uh, here at KPFA. Seriously speaking, you know, Jennifer comes here and shares her expertise with you on a voluntary basis, and she's been doing that for years. And where else can you hear such insightful, in-depth commentary about things you would otherwise discard? Jennifer can find meaning in them, right, Jennifer? That's your job. <laughs> yes. It's a school teacher in her, yes, the, alive the, and well. The meaning leaks from the molecules, kids, yes. <laughs> right, and so you've been doing this for how many years now? Now, Jennifer. Well, I came here in 1981 or 82. I was trying to uh, get a woman out of Dale. Her name was Nawal El Sadawe, and uh, the Egyptian Administral. Uh, uh, well, it, it was Sadat. He put her in jail. He said he had to protect the people for yes, the protection of values from shame. Right. She said it was not a good idea to remove the genitals from the women in her culture. And See, there you go. Where else can you hear Jennifer uh, talking about genitals except right here on KPFA? Genital mutilation. And because yes. you're listening, I know you appreciate this. So what we'd like you to do is to express that by contributing to KPFA. We want to keep not only KPFA on the air, but Jennifer, as long as she is terra firma, should be on the air also. And Jennifer, um, what do you think is the best part of KPFA since you've been here over 30-some years, pushing 40? 
The best part of KPFA. Now, that is a pretty awful question, Veronica. It was, wasn't it? <laughs> it wasn't very well posed either. The best, the best of KPFA. What knocks me out about KPFA is how, in spite of all the chaos, confusion, and madness around here, we actually get stuff done. We, we get, really do. We get stuff done. How it is, I don't know. I never could figure that out. I, You know, it just comes as a great shock to me every time I come down here that radio happens in spite of all our silliness. And it happens right here at KPFA and the telephone number is 510-848-5732-1800-493-5732 if you're out of the area. And uh, we'd like you to take some time now if you're driving in your car, go ahead and pull over, call in and pledge whatever you can afford anywhere from $20 up as um, Amy Goodman was saying on her show if you've done well and you want to do good go ahead and contribute to KPFA (laughs) help keep us on the line because even though we are uh, as I said we have Jennifer in here working for free volunteering for decades every nickel helps because uh, that's what we have to face when we're dealing with PG&E and you can imagine it's enormous we have to keep uh, the electricity running to the transmis- transmitter and but most importantly this is your radio station we got so it. we want you to express that by taking care of your things and got to do the K- vision KPFA is it there are no f- num- there are, there's nobody on the phone lines Jennifer oh what do you my think god about? I know I know I know it's well you know we know we're not talking in the dead air okay no. you cannot trick us we know you're out there so please go right oh pick up your phone get it out of your pocket or where your purse wherever it is as i said if you're driving pull over and give us a call we're up against most appreciate your listening and definitely appreciate the contributions you've made over the years to kpfa here's another opportunity for you to express your gratitude uh by giving us a call here at 1-800-439-5732 or 510 Eight four eight five seven three two. And KPFA is sixty two years old now, which happens to be the year I was born, nineteen forty nine. Can you believe it? It seems like just yesterday, Jennifer. Just yesterday, forty nine. No, I I was not uh, uh, around then. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, you skipped that year, right? Yeah, I skipped that, but I I did get here. I got to the Bay Area in nineteen fifty one. I was a little seventeen year old, frivolous, uh, shallow child. I came here from Southern California. I didn't get to. Cape Bay until eighty one, eighty two. Yeah, because I wasn't Ooh, smart enough. We have a caller. I, oh, okay. Good. Good. All right. I'm excited now. Good. Don't Somebody let that caller be you. alone. I know there's more than one person listening. Yeah, because you know this is the place where the the pacifists in World War Two found a home, and believe me, nobody was listening to them. All we had was that FM signal, and I guess that was they had to give away radios to get people to listen to this station in 1949. Right. We don't even have to do that any longer, as a matter of fact. And we uh, we know you're out there. We can see you, mm-hmm. Jennifer and I can. This so is, go ahead and pick up the phone and give us a call. This fabulous article is talking about the 40s. Says the American middle class uh, could still dimly recall the trenches of World War One, the mud, the rats, the typhus, and the general obscene futility yes. of that war. Right. Right. Now, if you think things aren't still futile and obscene, I would suggest that you talk to some of the veterans of the war that we are now in 
indulging in. It's almost, what is it? it, think, it what is it? It's like dilettantes, you know, the sort of people who play at the arts in America now, plays at wars ever since, um, you know, that first hit on Iraq, for God's sake. Right. That's an interesting perspective. It is. And you come to KPFA for an interesting perspective on things current and past, in particular, this business about Osama bin Laden's death and the United States involved and how now we have to have heightened security. That's the second call. I wonder if we can get three more people calling in here before yeah, this shows be nice over. We have two minutes right over. now. Three, yeah. mo- If three more people could call in, that would make Jennifer happy. Well, but, you know, it's one thing to catch a criminal like Osama. You know, well, she's happy anyway. You know, but, you know, catching a criminal is one thing, folks, but going to war against a whole people, this is crazy. We started the war because of him, and it looks like we're not going to end it, even though he's dead. Yeah, well, this thing, you know, I was trying to figure out the other day, there's a gender divide in our administration and it seems to me that the women are always looking at the larger society and the men are always looking okay at so states. jennifer we have one minute left one, we, minute, one, one minute. minute for three people to call come on please send five ten eight four eight five seven three two one eight hundred four three nine five seven three two we respect you yes respect your integrity money. individuality and your generosity i want to thank you in advance for calling in and contributing to kpfa get it up so for we kpfa can keep jennifer in here every tuesday from 3 to 3.30, right. Get it, give it up for KPFA. Give it up for KPFA. I used to empty my purse out here and ring the coins, you know, but <laughs> I don't know if that, I can't find my purse here, you know. All right. I had, the first time I did this marathon thing, I had $8 I found in my purse, you know, and that was all I had to give. Jennifer, that's it. It's, it's time to get off the air, people. Thank you, Veronica. Uh, You're welcome. One of these days, I'll figure out how to do this. Until next Tuesday at this same time, you all go easy, and if you can't go easy goes easy as you can see you next week walk in light light them up boys there's your picture drop the shadow